Tuesday, November 21st. We're 48 hours outside of Gobble Gobble. We're 48 hours outside of 49ers and Seahawks. And boy, does that week move fast when there's a Thursday night football game. And that's what's happening down in Santa Clara. They are uh, getting ready for a Seahawks game, which we know is always a bit more of a battle than it probably could be or should be. And even though the 49ers have played pretty well against Seattle in their last five games, the 49ers are 4-1 and one against the Sea Chickens. Boy, that's a team that is better than its stats probably suggest. And we all know that when you put Seattle on its home field in a night game, they're even more of a problem. They always have been. They just kind of are. That's the way it works up there. And familiarity breeds a little contempt, and there is contempt between the 49ers and Seahawks, and there's only a game really separating them in the standings. So we got ourselves interesting coming this way. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the Damon Bruce Show once again. We will hop into the chat. We will do Club Plus. We will have an awful lot for you today and a Warriors win to talk about. Huzzah! We will get into all of that before it is said and done. Seattle's in 48 hours. Here we go. Here we go. The Seahawks are 18th in total yards per game. They're 13th in passing yards. They're 25th in rushing yards, and they average 21.6 points per game, 23rd overall defense. Now, I'll tell you what the kids would call that, mid. What do you think of the Seahawks? They're mid. I, I God, I just, I, new slang is so boring. He is him and mid. Are the I just I can't take it. Anyway, uh, you can throw all that out the window though against division rivals. Like I said, the Seahawks somehow play above their averages, above their numbers when they're playing the 49ers, and the Niners sometimes play below their averages and below their numbers. It feels like normally in this game, whoever is set to win it is the team that sometimes doesn't. It's division rivals. You know, this is coaches who know each other. These are teams who know each other. These are teams who understand tendencies and razzle dazzles and whatever, you know, little trick up your sleeve that might fool another team likely to fool a division opponent less. Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan, look, they know each other. They know their tendencies. Um, Even less likely to fool someone with razzle-dazzle on a short week because normally those razzle-dazzle plays are what you put in when you got a little bit more time to prepare. You know, you got to bake a cake of a, of a, of a game plan, and then the razzle-dazzle is like the sprinkles on top or the way you write happy birthday on the cake. You know, that's there's, there's less time for that in a short week. So this game is probably going to be a little bit more straight-up bully ball, stripped-down playbook, stripped-down razzle-dazzle than you normally get. So just be ready for a physical football game, and that benefits, I believe, the 49ers. Um, With all of that, you know, it's funny. When you've talked about football 18 years in a row with an audience, You can almost, if you want to, track some talking points that pop up each and every season. It just happens. And it's not that I'm falling back into old, lazy habits. I just think that there are certain times in a year where, look out for that, come into play. I say this once a year, every year. It's like, what week will Damon pick to say the following? I'm picking this week. And I am putting the 49ers and the Seahawks both on special teams, red alert. If there's one thing that every team works on all season long, it's a special teams razzle dazzle, a fake punt, a fake field goal, 
And I wouldn't be surprised to see either the 49ers or the Seahawks dip into that corner of the playbook this week. It might be a week where someone needs to steal a possession and get a little bold on special teams. And I just think that this could be a week where it happens. So red alert special teams is my my go-to point to make. Once again, here we are. We're about that time in a year where Damon's talking about that again. I'm usually wrong. You know, the amount of fake special teams plays we get in the NFL seem to be fewer and fewer, especially now in a league where coaches are wired to be more aggressive on fourth down anyways. You don't need that special teams play to pick up that fourth down in surprising fashion quite like you used to. But this is a week where I've got 49ers special teams. You need to be on red alert. That field goal, that 41-yard field goal on fourth and three that Seattle is settling for, that could be a special teams fake this week. Just throwing that out there. Just putting that in the in the ether. Do with it what you will. I'm sure Kyle watches this show every day. I'm sure he's one of our viewers right now. Hello, Kyle. Good to have you here. Uh, the Seahawks are 4-1 and one at home. Again, they're always better at home than they are anywhere else. They're 6-3 and three overall. They just got beat by a point by the Rams, who are coming off of a bye week. That's probably a game that Seattle should have had, but... Again, you give McVay a little time, more time to get ready, you can run into trouble. Division rival. What's supposed to happen in a division game might not happen. So just be ready for that. It's going to be a night game, where they call Lumen Field up there now. Terrible name for a football field, but Lumen, all right. Um, the place is going to be nuts. The place is going to be nuts. I'm guessing that most people in Seattle are going to wake up and do like a lunchtime Thanksgiving dinner, sleep it off a little bit, get to the game, get fired up, get drunk. Here you go. Everybody's got Friday off. So it'll be a hornet's nest. There is no doubt that that is always a loud stadium. Uh, the Seahawks are averaging 5.8 yards per play in home games. That's better at home than they are on the road. The one other thing that I think the 49ers got going in their direction, their favor, is that the entirety of the playbook will be shrunk, and there might be a problem with Geno Smith's elbow that shrinks it even a little bit more than a short week does. How is he feeling? How is he playing? How is he throwing? How is he looking? Are questions you need to be asking yourself early in that game. If Geno is restricted, that's going to make the Seattle chance to win, you know, just just dip down a little, like it would for any team. Gino's actually having a, a, an okay year, mid, if you will. 2,404 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. He's completing 65% of his passes. It's a good year. It's not a great year. What the Seahawks have, probably that should scare Steve Wilkes or just have Steve Wilkes on red alert, maybe more than other teams, is they've got two wide receivers that feel the distribution almost equally between the two of them. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are much different body types, but are having very similar seasons. Metcalf is 646 receiving yards, three touchdowns on 40 catches on 71 targets. Lockett is 545 receiving yards, four touchdowns, 51 catches on 74 targets. So you're looking at a, a team that is using two wide receivers almost with the same frequency. So 
you got more of a field to cover. It's not one and then two, three, four. It's one A, one B between these wide receivers. Kenneth Walker the third is a really good running back. Six hundred and thirteen rushing yards. They throw him the ball a couple times per game, but he's really not that dual threat back. So expect some slobber knocker football up in Seattle. It's just geared to be ugly. It really is. Short week, division rivals. And I'm not going to say that the 49ers are going to take any bait here and start looking ahead. But how can they, if they are human, which I'm guessing the 49ers pretty much to a man are human, how can you not be thinking about the Eagles just a little bit based on the results of Monday Night Football in Kansas City? You know, the Eagles got everybody's attention today, rightfully so. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Meanwhile, the 49ers defensively are number one in the stat that matters most. Points allowed. Point. I mean, that's it. What Defense is, you know, forget about yards. Yards are not scored against you. It's points that get scored against you. The 49ers, who are very good in the yardage category, by the way, are the best in the NFL uh, at giving up points. They don't allow a lot of points. 15.7 points per game is what this defense is allowing. That, by the way, is a college number. And to prove that, uh, only Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Georgia, and Ohio University are the only six schools in major college football allowing fewer points than the 49ers allow in professional football. So the 49ers are putting up a ridiculously low number in terms of points allowed average against them. 15.7 points per game is all this defense has given up. That is a big number. That, that Well, actually, it's the opposite of a big number. That's a teeny tiny number. Scoring might be down in the NFL, but the 49ers are taking scoring down way down. So... This is this is a game the 49ers should win. But again, division rivals, weird things happen. Seattle, weird things happen. Pete Carroll teams, weird things happen. Lumen Field, night game, weird things happen. It's time to avenge Turkey on the 50, even though the 49ers got some ownage lately over the Seahawks. Again, in their last five games, the 49ers have won four of them, swept them last year. That includes a wild card win as well. So 3-0 and against the Seahawks just last year. But you got the Seahawks in two of the next three weeks with the Eagles waiting there. And we'll get to that in just a second. Meanwhile, cheers, welcome It feels like a sip of the day right there. You know, I don't I don't mean to make all first sips of the day sips of the day, but it's just the the timing of the coffee in a normal morning. This was a very normal morning in the Bruce household. Normal wake-up times, normal kids out the door times, normal prep time for the show. Coffee went on normal time, so we're right about where we need to be. And that is your official sip of the day for those who track these things. And the fact that you guys and gals do means you're insane and I love you and thank you very much. Someone even criticized me. They're like, Damon, uh, enough with the the sipping. It's it's a little annoying into the microphone. Well, isn't like they're big like AMSR? Is that what it's called? I don't even know. Amser? I, I, I don't know. But we're like, yeah, 
People like hearing sounds. So just pretend it's one of those videos too. It's a multi-pronged video. It's sports, it's sensory perception, it's uh, it's beefcake, as you can clearly see. <laughs> Let me tell you what you should have for lunch today. You should have a sandwich from Ike's. I mean, there are so many delicious sandwiches at Ike's. Choose your weapon. You can't go wrong. You really can't. Uh, when you choose that weapon, though, the weapon of choice before you choose that weapon, should be the Ike's app. Download the Ike's Reward app. Start earning your way towards free sandwiches. Jamie Sire. Uh, I love the Jamie Sire, which I totally really love the Jamie Sire, which it's a delicious fried chicken sandwich. I think I might have talked about that, but that's a th I think about that sandwich a lot. That That's a compliment. I think about your sandwich a lot. I do. I think about that sandwich a lot. I think I might need one today. I might document their, that trip down the Jamie Sire Witch Lane. Share it on social media. Again, whenever you're eating at Ike's, take a picture, send it to me over on Twitter. I'd be happy to share that with the world and spread the gospel of Ike's love and sandwiches. Uh, Want to also invite you, as you're thinking about making that next wager, to do it over at mybookie.ag. Use promo code DAMON. When you sign up, you'll get 50% off your deposit match up to $1,000. A robust casino for you to play all sorts of casino games in. Blackjack, roulette, slots, anything that you can think of in a casino, they got it there for you. It's like a cruise ship in international waters. Law does not apply. So you go ahead, make sure your credit card is signed up for international use, and sign up up with mybookie.ag, the best way to, uh, you know, make a little something on the side. Great interface, great website. Check it out, mybookie.ag. Um, as I was talking about, the Eagles are kind of on everybody's mind, and why wouldn't they be? An impressive win, to say the least, in Kansas City, right? And it's impressive because I don't even think the Eagles played a great football game. And as much as the Eagles won, <clears throat> as much as the Eagles won that game, if Patrick Mahomes had a few wide receivers who could catch more than a cold, the Chiefs probably win that game. The Chiefs were in front of that game for three of the four quarters, and then there came Philadelphia. It's like their their physical nature finally wore down Kansas City. It looked like Travis Kelsey was worn down. It looked like the Chiefs offensive line and defensive lines got worn down. There was a Swift in the building, and he had a very good night on the ground. And the Eagles are the real deal. And the 49ers, I really hope that they win in Seattle. So there's no backpedaling at all before we set up what is nothing short of the NFC's version of the Super Bowl, December 3rd in Philadelphia, 49ers and Eagles. It's, look, you know, it, it's up to the team to take it one at a time. I don't think that that's our job. <laughs> we could talk about other things than just one game at a time. And you can't help but think that that's going to be the game of the year. Game of the year, certainly for the Niners. I mean, I don't know about the NFL. Game of the year for the Eagles. It feels like that's what's coming to them. If the Niners certainly handle their business against Seattle. Jalen Hurts, by the way, is on a regular season 13-game winning streak against teams whose records are 500 or above at the time that they kick off against the Eagles. So Hurts is doing one of those things that really good quarterbacks can do. He can win ugly. 
Jalen Hurts can win in a going away, everything's working afternoon. He can win in a my knee is a little less than 100%. And I am at Arrowhead and a lot of incomplete passes here. And we're not exactly killing it on third down. And A.J. Brown isn't having a monster game. We're going to have to grind this out. And the Eagles did. And they do that. Like every time you look up, they're in a tighter-than-you-thought game, but who cares when they win almost all the time, right? Now, a great way for the Niners to lose in Seattle is to start thinking of the Eagles. But I do want to share something that I found pretty interesting. Um, I've always said that in, in baseball, run differential is a great indicator of the year that you're having. There are so many games being baked into a major league season that whether you're winning or losing might not even be as important as how you are playing. Uh, And run differential speaks to that. How many more runs do you score than, than you allow? The teams that are way north are usually your postseason teams, and the teams that are struggling are not. Now, point differential in basketball, that's a score that lend or that's a sport that lends itself to so much scoring. I, I think it means a little less. Like point differential is, of course, important, but so many games can get cockeyed and lopsided that you can you can have a a less than telling the true story point differential in basketball than you do over the larger sample size that is that that is a, a baseball season a football season every game is so important every single game is so important and you can get blown out one week and come back and look like gangbusters the next so maybe point differential means even less in football now i'll tell you that to qualify what i'm about to tell you because this is kind of interesting you know bill parcells famously said that you are what your record is So you can't argue that the 49ers right now are better than the Eagles or the Lions, who are the two teams in the NFC that have the better record. Eagles are 9-1, Lions are 8-2, the 49ers are 7-3. So that's who they are. That's who they are. But if you want to factor in point differential, things kind of get interesting. And I got to give full credit to former Damon Bruce Show board op Mark Grandy, for sending this one out on Twitter last night. I saw he, he 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 sent this out, and I'm like, oh, that's on the show. That's a good nugget. So the Eagles at 9-1 and one with the best record in the NFC and do all the courtesy that is afforded to a team that I think rightfully gets to wear the moniker of you're the best team in football. Right now, the Eagles are the best team in football. I, 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 that's, I, I mean, if you want to mince words, if you want to get into a debate, sure. But if we're going by records, Eagles are the best team in football. And they've got a plus 61 point differential. They've won an awful lot of close games. They probably let teams hang around more than they'd like to, but they're finishing everybody off for the most part. The Lions, who are eight and two, have a 43 plus 43 point differential. So Eagles are nine and one with a plus 61. The Lions are 8 and 2 with a plus 43. The Niners are 7 and 3 with a plus 122 point differential. 
49ers can put up some points and they prevent a lot of teams from scoring. They really do. They really, really do. To have essentially double, not essentially even, mathematically fact, 61 times 2 is 122. And the 49ers, even with two more losses, have twice the point differential of the Eagles. What will that matter when they play the Eagles? Nothing. That game happens in a vacuum. But it's just pretty interesting to see that the team in the NFC with a third-best record has the overwhelming most dominant point differential in the conference. So, you know, you can put that in your pipe and smoke it. What does it mean, Damon? What does it mean? I, I, I don't know, but I found it interesting. I, I hope you did, too. I want to talk about Patrick Mahomes for a second. But by talking about Patrick Mahomes, I'm also talking about Brock Purdy and the mental fictitious scenario that everyone, Purdy detractors, want to see him in. Because, look, Patrick Mahomes is an all-timer. Like, that's how good he is. I would take nothing away from Patrick Mahomes in the history of you get to draft a quarterback to win one football game with, like, go ahead and try Joe Montana. He was pretty damn good. Uh, Dan Marino might not have won a Super Bowl, but you won't find a better quarterback in your life. John Elway, you can't go wrong with John Elway. I'm sure somebody's grandfather would tell you you couldn't go wrong with Johnny Unitas. You can't go wrong with Patrick Mahomes. And look, Patrick Mahomes has rightfully joined the all-time conversation about as fast as any athlete in their career is allowed to. We all know that, that, that durability matters, especially in football where durability is a test that every player is taking snap to snap, much less week to week. If Patrick Mahomes plays another 10, 12 years in the NFL, he might shatter record books. You know, he might. He's already spectacular. But would you please look at and acknowledge what in this season is an undeniable fall off with lesser talent in the same system? Everybody says Brock Purdy, he's good in his situation, but what if you put him in another situation? What if you picked up Brock Purdy and put him in another team's huddle? Then what would it look like? Well, it would probably look a little bit like Patrick Mahomes, who is struggling to find what used to be easy to find success offensively now more than ever before. Why? He's got lesser talent around him. Mahomes still throws darts and laser beams. But you need someone to catch those darts and laser beans. You got a team in Kansas City that can't catch a cold. Terrible hands. Every wide receiver. And Travis Kelsey last night didn't have a Travis Kelsey game. So it was a struggle. It was a struggle. And it's been a struggle. Why is it a struggle? Well, because an awful lot of the talent in the room is no longer in the room. But wait, but wait, but wait. I was told that elite quarterbacks don't need any talent around them, which is absurd. It's, it's absurd. 
Brock Purdy's good as long as there's talent around him. Hey, you know, Patrick Mahomes is pretty good no matter what, but the truth is he's a lot better with talent around him. And if that applies to him, it probably applies to everybody, right? I mean, I know that I'm stepping on an awful lot of media talking points here, but that's why you come here because I do that because half the media is just full of shit. Football is the ultimate team game. Always has been, always will be. There's no such thing as that guy does it alone by himself. He's that good. That has never existed. Not for a minute. Now, elite quarterbacks obviously change the fortunes of a team more than at any other position. But it's still a team. He can throw the ball in spectacular fashion, but the results are no longer there. This is a lesson for large swaths of fans, okay? This is a lesson. The question that you keep asking about Brock Purdy, this hypothetical Brock Purdy scenario that so many of you need answered, is actually happening to Patrick Mahomes. And if you're willing to say, like, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football— then yes, of course it would apply to Brock Purdy too. You put Brock Purdy on another team with lesser talent around him, numbers go down. It's like that for for Patrick Mahomes. A quarterback in a good situation equals good. A quarterback in a lesser situation equals less good. You wouldn't think that you'd have to spell this out for people who cover this league, fans who watch this league, but apparently a lot of you are stuck in remedial reading. This applies to Patrick Mahomes. This applies to Brock Purdy. Look, it applies to Joe Montana. Joe Montana was winning Super Bowls right up until he was out of San Francisco, and those Chiefs teams that he were on were good but weren't great. And so the Super Bowls ended. This applies to Tim Tebow, who was, you know, just a world beater. Pardon me. A world beater when he was in college where the talent that that Florida team had was so overwhelming that he was an overwhelming player and quarterback. You put him in the NFL, and not quite. This applies to Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde, in a few situations, was a really good quarterback. In other situations, he wasn't. What do you know? Vinny Testaverde was better there in Cleveland for a while than he was with the New York Jets. Again, I was told that elite quarterbacks don't even need talent around them. Patrick Mahomes could do this anywhere with anyone. Doesn't matter who his wide receivers are. He makes everybody better all the time. No doubt about it. Well, if that's true, how come the Chiefs offense is averaging 13.3 points per game over its last three games and they have been shut out in the second half of all three of those games? It's not just the talent. It's the coaching. Eric Bieniemy is out of that picture, and the Chiefs don't work quite like they used to. Tyreek Hill is out of that picture, and the Chiefs don't work quite like they used to. You got frying pan hands everywhere on your wide receivers, and all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes is throwing more interceptions, and the Chiefs, who never, ever, ever slow down scoring, have slowed down to a crawl in three second halves in a row. 
So if your whole point is Brock Purdy won't be as good as he is if he weren't in as good of a situation that he is in, I guess my point back to you would be like, no, duh. Thanks a lot, football Sherlock. You think you're on to something there? You think that you know something? It's, it's obvious. Good football teams are better than bad football teams. Duh. I mean, God. Oh, no, an elite quarterback and an elite coach is all you need. It's all you need. Well, I tell you that a wide receiver who can catch something is pretty important to a team's success, even in Kansas City, even with Patrick Mahomes, even with Andy Reid, even coming out of a bye week, for goodness sakes. Andy Reid losing a home game coming out of a bye week. I mean, that happens about as often as Haley's Comet comes through. So, again, the the fictitious hypothetical scenario that so many people insist Brock Purdy be put in, Patrick Mahomes is struggling in that right now. And as he struggles, he still throws absolute gorgeous balls everywhere. I mean, d- d- Scantling dropping that ball last night, the, uh, the, the, the pass on fourth and a mile. I mean, it was a laser beam that he put right on the receiver who dropped it. Final offensive play of the night for Kansas City as they were looking to drive for a win in their final game. But, yeah, I mean, all this hypothetical, your mental hurdle that you need Brock Purdy to clear before you'll acknowledge he's good. One of the greatest quarterbacks ever is struggling in the same scenario you want Brock to be in. If Mahomes is struggling, of course Purdy would struggle. You're on to nothing. You've illuminated you've illuminated nothing by saying, you know, I bet you if Brock were on a worse team, he'd have a worse year. Thanks a lot. Genius. Thank you. Anything else? Do you have anything else to add to the conversation? So many of these people don't, and that I guess is my point. Nathaniel Richards is upset. Thanks for nothing, Chiefs. Yeah, they did not help the 49ers. They did not help the 49ers last night. Chiefs didn't do their jobs, Irwin. They did not do their jobs. RIP Cougar Rebel says, Mr. Taylor Swift coming through with the fumble and the dropped pass. Yeah, I mean, he he just had an off night. I mean, it, Travis Kelsey, he even said last night, too, like, uh, I think more about retirement than anyone could ever imagine. Well, yeah, especially while you're dating Taylor Swift, the billionaire, I would imagine, right? <laughs> I mean, Travis Kelsey's making a whole bunch of money outside of football, so much so that he's probably thinking, how much more football do I really need on this body? You know, I can be Mr. Pop Star Husband and make more money doing that than the National Football League's going to make next year. Now, I'm not saying that Travis and Taylor are about to get married. Hey, look at it this way. Maybe there isn't a real relationship there. And the reason why Travis was a little tired last night, because he's back to his old way of banging strippers while Taylor's in Brazil. Maybe. Just throwing that out there. Again, tired legs. When I see tired legs, I always go to... Who's that guy fucking? (laughs) So it was a uh, 
It was a hell of a Monday night football game. It really was. It was, it was good. It was good. I liked it. But it was also ugly. And I think that it proved a lot of ridiculously stupid questions that keep on popping up in the universe about Brock Purdy. So there you go. I saw Adam Schefter tweet that for the first time now, we have Monday night football eligible to have bad games flexed out of Monday night football. That's good. The next Monday night football game is between the Vikings and the Bears, and that game needs to be flexed out immediately. And I have the game that needs to be flexed into Monday night football. We need Ohio State and Michigan flexed into Monday night football. Let's stop pretending that college sports is amateur sports. It might as well be the NFL, NFL light. Just go ahead and put Michigan, Ohio State in Monday night football and get the Bears and Vikings the hell out of there. Isn't that a great idea? It'd be a ratings winner. I mean, an overwhelming ratings winner. Might even get a Super Bowl number with Michigan, Ohio State on Monday night football. The Bears can't be put on TV. Not anymore. Like America deserves better. How about this? You want to talk about pain and suffering? Matt Eberflus is pain and suffering. May your entire life go with him not coaching your football team. And I'm not saying it's even all Eberflus's fault, but I'm already ready for the next coach. Go get Jim Harbaugh. I don't give a shit. Matt Eberflus has amassed four of the top 50 blown leads in Bears history in just over a season and a half. The top 50 most blown leads in Bears history, and they've been playing football since basically they signed the Declaration of Independence. Uh, the Bears have four of their top 50 blown leads on Eberflus's clock. He's coached 28 games. That means roughly one out of every seven games that he is involved in has been a historic choke job. No more so than what we just saw from the Bears against the Detroit Lions. The game against the, the 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 game that the Bears just blew in Detroit since 1932, not a single NFL team has blown a game with a plus 3 turnover margin and 40 minutes of possession time. Teams had been 48 and 0 until the Bears blew that scenario in Detroit. As I've been saying for well over a year now, fire everybody. Not just some people, fire everybody, and hopefully the owner, God bless her, old Virginia McCaskey, it's time for her to go too. It just, just everyone's got to go. It's a clown show. The Chicago Bears have become the Detroit Lions and the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns with better uniforms. That's who they are right now. I can't take it. I'd say that was 35 minutes of maximum football, wouldn't you? And again, our maximum football is going to be right back on top of us. We got less than, well, no, just a little bit more than 48 hours. At 5.30 tonight, we'll officially be in the 48-hour window until the 49ers play again. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, we can spend a little minute on, on hoops. Golden State Warriors snapped a six-game losing streak, beating the Rockets 121-116 on Monday night. Uh, the Warriors, look, when they knock down shots, they're going to win some games. 
The problem with the Warriors is that there's no scenario where they're going to be winning games when they're not knocking down a lot of shots, which is a tough thing to ask any team to do. Hey, be great from the field every single night. Warriors were 21 of 43 from three. They were 28 of 33 at the free throw line. You got Curry and Clay combining for 52 points. What do you know? Clay Thompson got to the 20 point plateau. 20 points for Clay. Five of 11 from three. Uh, Curry had 32, obviously. If Clay had 20, that's how they combined for 52. Chris Paul became, uh, he, he dropped one of his, his, his best games in a Warriors uniform last night. And I'm going to tell you, the, the Warriors without Chris Paul this year might be sitting at like two or three wins. That's how important he's been. Chris Paul has been a stabilizing force for the Golden State Warriors. Chris Paul last night, 15 points, 12 rebounds. And no, excuse me, 15 points, 12 assists, and six rebounds for Chris Paul. Sarich comes off the bench. He almost had 20. Uh, he had 18. And in that entire game, which Houston was way too still in at the end of the game, the Warriors are, Warriors are, it's going to be a weird year. You can just feel it. Um, Steph Curry became the Warriors' all-time leader in minutes played on Monday night. 34 minutes is what he gave on the court, and he passes Nate Thurmond as the Warriors' all-time leader in minutes played with over 3,730 career minutes. I'm sure, like an awful lot of you, I've seen just about all of those. The amount of Warriors games that I have missed in the Steph Curry era, I mean, there can't be 25 of them. There can't be 30 of them. Just games I straight up didn't see any of it. Just totally missed it. Was doing something else. Was on vacation. Was in Europe or something like that. You know, like I, I have watched as much of Steph Curry's career as probably anybody can claim that they've done. You know, who has seen for sure more games from Steph Curry than I have? The only the only names that I would be very comfortable with would be like Tim Roy and Bob Fitzgerald. They have definitely seen more Curry than I have, but other than traveling with the team broadcasters, I'm right up there. I would like to thank Steph Curry for just about every single one of those 3,730 minutes. They've just been the most interesting 3,730 minutes that any player has put together. They've been revolutionary. They have been an evolutionary step. They've been the greatest minutes in the history of minutes in the history of the Golden State Warriors. He has been an absolute unstoppable source of basketball pleasure in my life. And I'm sure you feel that way too. Curry is just heaven sent. And we don't have much left. So whether the Warriors are winning or not, I just want to enjoy this artist. And he is a basketball artist. And what a privilege we have had to cover him and the team around him which goes down as one of the single greatest basketball thoughts ever expressed in the NBA. The Warriors in the Steph Curry era have just been remarkable. And it will end poorly because that's the only way these things end. 
But Curry still does that. You know, he's got that. When will Steph Curry not be able to hit that corner three with regularity? When he's like in his 50s? (laughs) I mean, the, the, the guy is going to be a shooter and shooters age well. Except for Clay Thompson right now. But at least Clay had a decent game on Monday night. Chris Paul. He had one of his best games with the Warriors on Monday night. And here's a stat that the Warriors shared on their social media that I just, I thought this was really interesting. Since the 77-78 season, when turnovers were first attributed to individual players and not just kept as a team total, Chris Paul, this season, is the only player with 115 or more assists and 18 or fewer turnovers over his first 15 games of a season. That's essentially in my lifetime. The Warriors would be sitting at two or three wins this year without Chris Paul. He's been very good. Steph Curry is, you know, making an MVP argument in the games that he doesn't play as much as he makes it in the games that he does play. But the Warriors are going to have to be a lot better for him to get acknowledged as that. Next game up, Phoenix. In Phoenix. Good luck with that. Uh, Only baseball note for you before we hop into Club Plus and go through a a bunch of chat, which is just flying. Chat's flying right now. Um, Padres have hired Mike Schilt as their new manager. He was with the Cardinals. That relationship went sideways between him and ownership. And uh, I'll tell you that the only connection that I have to Mike Schilt is that my buddy Tom Ackerman, who is just Mr. St. Louis Radio, KMOX, uh, knew and liked Mike Schilt very, very much. So the Padres got an underrated manager in Mike Schilt. There you go. There is the show today, as I have lovingly packaged it for you, as I told you several times, we will never waste a minute of your time. We will never just club you over the head with regurgitated talking points. That's the beauty of this. I don't have four hours to desperately try to fill like a radio show host. No, YouTube, it's a different world. It's a different law. Get right to the point, hammer that point, and get off the stage. So that's what we're doing. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And stick around here on YouTube because Club Plus will be banging. Uh, But if you're listening to the podcast, thank you so very much. And I remind you that we got 49er football coming in 48 hours and that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's 